Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I'm very pleased to have back with me Adam Frey, Managing Director at K2 Integrity. Adam, first of all, welcome back. Thanks a lot, Tom. I appreciate coming back on. It's always great to speak with you. Adam, we were on a little bit earlier this year, and you had some really, I thought, uh, important insights around risk, operational risk, management of risk, but really for a variety of disciplines. As you know, I am really an anti-corruption compliance practitioner. You were looking at it perhaps from a different compliance perspective, but I wanted to see if Maybe we could visit and take a little bit more deeper dive into some of the things that you talked about earlier this year. Yeah, happy to. Thank you, Tom. One of the phrases you said, Adam, that really struck me was about, quote, owning the risk, end quote. And that is increasingly important in the anti-bribery, anti-corruption compliance world, although we call it operationalization. So I was wondering if maybe you could talk about what it means not only to you, but maybe in the AML space and the greater risk space, and we can see how that might converge for different types of compliance. Sure, Tom, happy to. I think at the end of the day, really what the phrase means to me, and I've taken away from some of the engagements we've had on behalf of regulators as monitors, and also even from the inside of financial institutions where we're helping them with remediation, is that at the end of the day, the business line the first line of defense has to understand and take into account the compliance risk of their day-to-day activity, be it anti-corruption, AML, sanctions, fraud, tax, what have you, and understand the potential impact of non-compliance on not just the company, but also on themselves. It's important that at the responsibility and accountability be felt at an individual level, at a first line of defense level, Rather than, I think, as we've seen in the past, people in the first line thinking of it as that's compliance's job. The idea that the business owns the risk, I think, has been internalized to different degrees with different types of risk. I think if you look at credit risk, for example, that's very clearly been internalized that first line of defense understands credit risk is their risk. They make a deal. They need to be responsible for the credit risk of the intermediaries, of the transaction, of the counterparties. I think we need to also get there with compliance risk of all different types. I think it has gotten there in some areas. I think AML is certainly one of the places where it's become much more prevalent because the regulators have been focusing on it for a very long time. But I think you're right that in the bribery space, and I'd say also in the sanctions space, there's still work that needs to be done although it's definitely improving every day, I'd say. Adam, how would you say that the back end of the house or the back office team really works in conjunction with the front line to have, as I would say, fully operationalized, but really a seamless compliance solution over AML risk or other types of risk? I think it's important for people to understand, especially back office people, middle office and front line, sort of the the holistic view of the transaction and the risk that it might present or the client that it might present and not be stovepiped into thinking sort of more tunnel vision on their particular 
type of function or job you know, with a checklist. I think it's important for them to understand how reviewing KYC correctly, identifying beneficial owners correctly can impact at an operational level or, you know, the risk that the company can take on and that they're an integral component of preventing the company from potentially being in non-compliance of these kinds of regulatory regimes that can get the bank in a lot of trouble. And I think it's important not to see it as just something that's somebody else's job. And one of the things that I find in some places is it's really important to demonstrate to everybody involved why something is important, not just tell them that it's important. I think they really appreciate when they can understand it, that they have more of a stake in the outcome. If you explain to people, not just you have to do X, Y, Z, but why it's so important that you do X, Y, Z, I think that can make a big difference, both from the back of the house and the front of the house. You know, it's interesting you would say that in another life, I'm a writer, and one of the catchstone phrases is show, don't tell. Seems like to me you actually just articulated that in a little bit different way, because if if you show them the reason and the consequences, and they become invested in protecting that risk or managing that risk, I should say, that they will be able to, to be more effective. Would that be a fair assessment? Spot on, Tom. Absolutely. I was going to think of the analogy also from the parenting perspective. You see that show, show, don't tell a lot too. And when you explain sometimes to children why not to do something, it makes a big difference. Not to say that anybody in this analogy is a child and compliance is the parent. I don't want that to to be the takeaway there. <laughs> Let me just suggest I was parented in a very different generation. Very true. Yes, it, it is changing. That is definitely true. Let me change the focus a little bit because you advocate something that I think is extraordinarily important, which is why compliance needs to be a key part of the business function. That can be phrased that I, the phrase I use is compliance has to have a seat at the table. We can take it all the way up to the boards of directors, having a compliance resource, if not a compliance professional on the board. But maybe I could ask you just to give your thoughts on why you believe it's so key that compliance be a part of the business function. I think it's important for compliance to be a part of the business function so that they're seen as a collaborative partner and not as an obstacle. I think a lot of times, again, you get better buy-in when people understand that everybody is hopefully working towards the same goal and objective, but that there are concerns and issues that need to be addressed. And I also feel like when compliance has a seat at the table and they're viewed as a collaborative partner, it's more likely that the first line of defense is going to come to them early on with potential issues if they are confident that they're not just going to be seen as as obstacles and hurdles to accomplishing what they want to accomplish. I also feel like it's important on the flip side for people in the business function to internalize compliance with a small c for themselves. I think one of the things you see from enforcement actions all the times you have hefty financial penalties against companies, you have reputational risk to companies, you also have risks and damage to individuals who are involved in the misconduct from impact on discretionary compensation all the way through to termination. And so it's important for compliance as a function to be a key part of the business function for everybody to be on the same page and protect the company. But it's also important for business to 
be compliant with a small c and internalize that risk for themselves. Adam, it seems like you're really pointing towards a culture of compliance and having that culture up and down the organization. If that's correct, is that something that has to be driven literally from the very top of the organization on down? I think it has to be both top down and bottom up, Tom. And really the idea, it has to be emphasized from the top until it gets internalized to the point where it becomes bottom up as well. And and when I say that, every engagement that we've done as a monitorship on behalf of any regulator, the tone from the top has been absolutely key part of the inquiry and top of mind to the questions that the regulators ask. And I think notably in, I think it's the most recent DOJ compliance guidance, they've actually shifted it slightly to not just tone from the top, but tone from the middle as well. So I think seeing it come from the top, the message of compliance, the importance of compliance really needs to filter down, but not just from the board level. It also has to come from the business line. So seeing things like a business line potentially foregoing a very lucrative transaction because of the potential risks are too high or turning down a client because the risks are too high or passing up a new product or type of business because the risks are seen as too high. And once you get those messages really being internalized and sent consistently, then everybody from the bottom up starts to think in that way and will feel comfortable raising issues and feel like that those will be heard and that they won't be shunted aside because of them. And I'm wondering for our last segment, if we might turn to some specific tactics that you would advocate an entity can use to leverage compliance or maybe explore to to help manage this risk. You talked about tone at the top, and really it's much more than tone at the top. It's both top up and, and perhaps even bottom down and mentioned the tone at the middle the DOJ had. But uh, where do you uh, see training as uh, a tactic that can be utilized here? Yeah, training is absolutely critical. Absolutely one of the critical components of leveraging the tone from the top but also throughout the whole organization. One of the keys to training that we constantly see is it's important for the training to be segmented and targeted to the exposure and the risk level. You don't want to see one-size-fits-all training for all different compliance risks. You want to make sure that those employees from the first line of defense all the way up to senior management who have a higher exposure to one type of risk or another get more advanced and nuanced training commensurate with that. So I think that's an important part of it. I think it's important to have training on not just compliance, but you can integrate training on actual tone from the top, on code of conducts, on compliance culture, where those issues are integrated into your training. So you're constantly reemphasizing and reiterating those points as part of that process. So training is definitely a, a key a way to actually leverage compliance and accomplish what we're talking about here. Can I maybe change the focus from training to communication? Because when the Department of Justice speaks about anti-bribery, anti-corruption compliance, they really wed those two concepts together. And you talked, I thought, very forcefully about targeted training and the need for targeted training. But how do you see sort of ongoing communications as part of not simply its primary goal, to communicate information, but really is a way to facilitate 
the targeted training you might have to give for people who are in either gatekeeper roles or, or higher risk profiles and utilize uh, communications and interactions going forward. Yeah, it's a great point and, and was going to mention that as well. I think you want to see consistent communication about the code of conduct, the tone from the top. You want to make sure that the importance of compliance is sent consistently. There should be at least annual communications from the board and the executive management about the emphasis that the company puts on compliance and having a compliant culture that go globally to the entire organization. And those should be supported with programming, with acknowledgments, with actual codes of conduct that are distributed and every employee acknowledges that they've received and reviewed. That should be built into different courses. I've seen other places where they have a focus on compliance at different times of the year where they'll do events and programming around it, which is another great way to emphasize it. I think another important way that it's communicated is, you know, not necessarily in formal communications, but through actions and behavior. So another thing that I would strongly talk about is being compliant or your compliance objectives part of your performance evaluation at both a sort of a carrot and a stick level. So, you know, having compliance score being part of your metrics and going towards a positive rating and potential remuneration versus if you have compliance shortfalls, whether you have incidents or things like that, that can affect on a negative way your potential discretionary compensation. And those are affirmative actions that are communicated from the management to every employee that really demonstrate in, in action, not just words, that compliance is, is a key part of the job. In with a question around risk assessments. The Department of Justice has renewed the emphasis on risk assessments. Not that risk assessments ever went away, but you raised, I thought, a very interesting point, which is your risk assessments should not be Tom or Adam going out in the business unit asking questions. You advocate really having the business is actively involved literally from the start of your compliance risk assessment. I was wondering if you might be able to expand on that for us, Adam. I think in a lot of ways it goes back similarly to the show, don't tell and getting buy-in, right? Anytime you make it a process where the business feels like they have a contribution and their contribution is heard and respected, you're going to have a better product because they're going to be invested in it. Vice a situation where they feel like risk assessment is something that's being done to them and only having potential findings and gaps and things that they're going to have to do coming out of it, as opposed to showing that they're a primary driver, their input is important, but also that you're, as a compliance function, going to the effort of actually really understanding their business and their risks and how that impacts the second line of defense. So again, I would go to you know getting buy-in, making it a collaborative process between compliance and the business, and really getting everybody to understand that everyone is invested to the same goal and driving towards the same place and working collaboratively to get there. Adam, this has been a, a really fascinating uh, deep dive for me into many of the concepts you really advocate around compliance and the compliance function. 
I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me and frankly look forward to continuing the conversation. My pleasure, Tom. It's always great to be on with you and I appreciate it. Uh, Happy to come back anytime. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.